Well, last spring I got a call. Um, It was from a friend, someone who was with us at City Church in the early years. In fact, she and her husband and their two-year-old son were there on the very first service we had on March 27th, 2005. They jumped in, they got involved. Uh, A year later, they had a daughter, and while balancing work in a busy home, they got very involved. Um, They worked to help see the vision of a new church started in southwest Minneapolis. Well, then my friend's husband got a job offer in Portland, Oregon. Um, It was a promotion he couldn't turn down, and they left. And we were sad, and they moved 1,700 miles away. Well, she called this spring to get some career advice. Um, We were wrapping up the conversation after we'd talked about some of the things that she was contemplating. And she asked me how things were going here at City Church. And so I told her. I told her about those who were coming to faith for the first time, those who were reconnecting, sometimes with a childhood faith, those who were growing, those who were growing closer to Jesus. I told her about all the babies we were having, that I was doing more weddings than I'd been doing in the early years. And I also told her about some of the difficult things and how we were together providing comfort for one another. I told her about this great building and how we meet each week and the growth we've seen since we moved here three and a half years ago. Wow, she said, you did it. You did absolutely everything you said you were going to do. And then she said, so what's next? Well, that's precisely what Forecast is all about. What are the new dreams that we believe God has for this church community? What will City Church look like in two years, three years, five years, or beyond? How will we share the good news of Jesus with the people in our community? How will we connect and care with, for those who, we, who come in? And how are we to help everyone to grow to be more like Jesus Christ? And how can we do a better job of serving those near and far? But before we talk about the what and how, I think it's important to remind you all of the why, why we exist as a church. From the beginning, our vision has been to serve, to seek the peace and welfare of the city. We have a wall out there. Internally, we call it the Jeremiah Wall. I'm about ready to just say that's the name of it because it has those words, seek the peace and welfare of the city. It's really our vision for what we want City Church to be, a place where we can serve this city for the good of all. More than 30,000 people live in this neighborhood, and we want to do as much as we can to serve and to care for them. And our purpose, some of you know, in fact, I think, I hope all of you know our purpose, love God and love others. It's simple, it's memorable, it's easy to memorize, it's really helpful for us. And there are four powerful words that invite us into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, encourage us to grow in that relationship, and then in the horizontal, to serve others to love and care for others by meeting the physical, psychological, social, and spiritual needs of all. Which brings us to today. For the last year, we've been thinking and praying about what would be next for us as a church. This building was a big step for us. So it took us a couple of years to figure out how we were going to use it, how it was going to affect what we did. And it's gone remarkably well. 50% of the people who attend City Church were not with us at Armitage. They don't remember anything about the school. The other 50% of you have, you know, carried too much stuff and all of that. But uh, (laughs) basically, we have a church that half of of those, probably half of you here, um, did not experience the time that we were at the school. And all of that's well and good. It's good to look back. It's good to be satisfied. It's good to celebrate what God has done. But I think it's time for us to look forward. 
In the summer of 2015, I had two different study weeks. I went to two different cabins from people, I think both of you are here this evening, and spent time beginning to read and think and pray about what would it look like for us as a church to articulate a new vision. So in the months that followed, I worked and kind of plugged away at that. We had conversations at the board level and the staff level, trying to engage in a process of refining and articulating a vision and asking God to help us imagine what might be next. Now, our history is full of stories of God at work, but I believe the best days of City Church are still ahead. We can't anticipate all that God will do, but in the time that we have here, I want to share with you a vision, an idea about what it is that I believe and we believe God has for us in the future. I've been excited for weeks to share this, and it's a lot longer than I want it to be, so I'm trying to go quickly to share everything that we've been thinking about. But I want to be careful not to overhype it. Sometimes you can almost say too much. And frankly, in some ways, it's not a dramatic change of direction. Our vision hasn't changed. Our purpose statement isn't changing. And even the values that we've had from the beginning, um, the values that have guided us for the past 11 and a half years aren't going away. But what's changing is the way that we're articulating them. In addition, we've been hard at work thinking about some new ways that those values can be lived out. So what I want to do first is share with you four values that we believe God is calling us to use to shape the ministry that we have here as a church. And it forms, these four values form uh, the framework for what we're calling forecast. And the four is important, these four values. And the cast is thinking about the future. Thank you, Rachel Gildner, for that name. What I want to do at the end is have you consider what your part might be in all this. So as you hear this, begin to think, where do you resonate? Where do you think your gifts and skills and passions may connect? So here are the four values we believe God is calling us to pursue. And they are, in order, invite into a relationship with Jesus, belong to a community of love, become more like Jesus, and serve others sacrificially in the name of Jesus. Now, I want to explain each of these in a little more detail. First, let's move to invite. We believe, and I mean really believe, that everyone who is far from God would be better off if they had a relationship with Jesus Christ. We're convinced that if they had Christ, they would have peace and meaning and purpose and guidance and strength to face whatever difficulties that they might face in life. And we believe that they would have hope for eternity that they currently do not have. That's why we will be intentional about doing what we can to share the good news of Jesus Christ, the message of hope that we find in him. And so if you have not already, I would encourage you to receive the invitation that Jesus offers to each one of us, to find peace, meaning, hope, guidance, and strength, and the hope that you can have in Jesus Christ. And then for those who have received that that Jesus invitation, we want you to extend that invitation that Jesus offers to others. In the right way, at the right time, invite a friend to hear about Jesus. And that might mean learning to share God's story and your own story with others. I'll talk more about that in a moment. The second of these values is belong. One of the deepest needs that we have as human beings is the need for community. We're created for relationships. Spiritually, the Bible tells us that we cannot live the Christian life if we don't do it in community. We don't do it on our own. For one, we become like those that we're like, and we find encouragement and strength and support. But community is not just instrumental in the sense that it's it's just something we use because it makes us feel good. 
It's also a necessary means to an end. Community is what we need deeply, especially in life's most difficult moments. It's a place where our brokenness can be met, not with judgment, but with grace and forgiveness and compassion. And then in turn, we can extend that love and grace and compassion to others. Paul says in 2 Corinthians verse, chapter 1, verse 4, we comfort, we, comfort our, the, excuse me, we comfort others with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. That means that we hope everyone with whom we come in contact here at City Church will experience Christian community, that you'll all be able to share the joys and difficulties of life and meet brokenness with the grace and forgiveness and compassion that we've already talked about. And having found that community, that you will then extend Christian love to others, caring deeply for others the way that God cares for each one of us. The third value is to become. Just as knowing Christ brings peace, meaning, and hope, so also following Jesus Christ wholeheartedly helps us discover that Jesus meets our deepest longings, transforms our most persistent failings, and heals our deepest pain. That's why we believe that every, helping everyone grow to be more like Christ is actually in their best interests. It's a process that begins with conversion, and as Paul says in Philippians 1.6, will continue on until we go to be with Jesus for eternity. Becoming like Jesus begins with trusting him. Jesus is the wisest, most loving person who ever lived, and he offers grace, peace, hope, love, freedom, and healing. He will invite us to flourish, to be the people that God has called us to be. To trust Jesus is to surrender our will to him. It means an openness to change because we cannot encounter Jesus without being challenged to change. And so what we'll find is that pride and anger and greed and envy and lust, the specific sins that may affect each one of us, they will be changed because we have had an encounter with Jesus Christ and we experience the power, the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. To experience this, we need to do something, and that is to spend time with God and do it with friends. Let me unpack that for just a moment. And that means really to spend and practice the spiritual habits of daily Bible reading and prayer, to recognize that spiritual growth happens best when we combine that with community. So in other words, we need to spend time with God. That is something we do on our own. But then we also need to do the same thing in community with others. How will we know that transformation has begun to take place in our lives? Well, if you think back to our purpose statement, love God and love others, if we are growing in our love for God and growing in our love for others, we're growing in Jesus Christ. The last of the values is to serve. As those who've experienced the love and grace of God, we will have the desire to serve others, to be messengers of the good news of Jesus Christ, to be agents of mercy, advocates for justice, Generous people serving, seeking peace and reconciliation with all. One of the debates that's been around for a number of years is what is the balance between telling others the good news and demonstrating it in actions? And Jesus really didn't divide those two things. He believed that they came together. He preached the good news of the kingdom of God in both word and deed. He told us to love our neighbors, a term he later defined so broadly that it includes even our enemies. And his younger brother James once wrote bluntly, he said, unless faith leads to good deeds, it is dead and useless. So in a world of so many needs, what ends up happening sometimes is we pile on the guilt and insist that we need to do something, and we should. But that guilt is not productive. Most pleas for generosity 
tell us to give because we have so much, and we do. That's true. But the biblical authors tell us that generosity comes out of gratitude. Gratitude for what Jesus Christ has done for us makes us and gives us a grateful heart. But still, sometimes the message we get is that what we need to do is amazing. We're supposed to start three nonprofits before we're 30, sell everything you have, and head for a refugee camp in the Middle East or East Africa. And so authors write books with titles like Radical. Now, it's true that Jesus does sometimes lead people to take bold steps, but that doesn't mean we're all supposed to be spiritual bravehearts. Serving Jesus doesn't need to be remarkable. Mother Teresa once said wisely, she said, not all of us can do great things, but we can all do small things with great love. That means that the first part of this idea of serving sacrificially is to do ordinary things with great love. To strive to meet the physical, spiritual, and emotional needs of those that God leads us and brings us into contact. It means building relationships with our neighbors, with people we work with, with family members. It means bringing a meal and watching kids and helping with a project or just hanging out. And when we hear about a challenge someone's facing, just offer to pray. And even though these things are pretty ordinary, they still require something from us. Growing closer to Jesus Christ changes our hearts for others. As they, and, and as we grow, we will want to give ourselves sacrificially to others. Do what we can to meet their physical and spiritual, emotional, and, and uh, social needs. That means we will also need to learn to live generously. God is very generous with us. And so, too, we can be generous in the way we live, giving our time, our skills, and our money. These are the four foundational values for the next season of ministry here at City Church, to invite into a relationship with Jesus, to belong to a community of love, to become more like Jesus, and to serve others sacrificially in the name of Jesus. Now, that's the theory. That's the foundation. This is the framework that we've been working with. But how do we put all this into practice? What kinds of things do we invest in? What do we think about doing? Now, in a moment, you'll see that we've actually kind of gotten already started. We've started doing some of these things, but there is a lot more ahead of us. So what I'm going to do is go back through the four values again and talk about some of the specific ideas that we've had and some of you'll recognize have already begun to take place. So let's go back to the idea of inviting. How will we extend the invitation that Jesus offers us to others? One of the most important ways we do that is pretty simple, and it's by welcoming people who come here on a Sunday morning. Every week we have, I don't know, half a dozen to a dozen people who visit City Church for the very first time. What's important is the way we visit and the way we welcome those folks um, who come. And that's why this last year, Amy Roll and our welcome team have worked hard to improve the visitor experience so that we welcome people warmly and we're ready to answer their questions. And all of you can be, you know, sort of um, deputized and become part of our welcome team as well. And since most visitors also check us out online before they ever come in person, we have this last year, Lee Colvin has led an effort to update our website. And if you've been there, you'll see that it is dramatically better than the previous website that we've had, and it's a much better online experience. We also want to create opportunities for seekers to explore Christian faith in an environment of intellectual honesty, in a comfortable place, in a comfortable way. We recognize that many today are skeptical of Christian faith. That's understandable. Christians haven't always been helpful and kind and um, even great about explaining what they believe and why. 
That's one of the reasons that we launched this fall, Alpha. Um, It's a course designed to give an overview of Christian faith, and um, each Wednesday night we've had more than 80 people joining us, about a quarter of whom are not from City Church. That's great. We also want to do what we can to address the questions and objections to Christian faith that uh, many seekers have. That's why in the next couple of years, something we hope to restart is a redesigned skeptics course. It's something we did in the first couple of years we were at church, but we want to do that to be able to take on some of the most challenging questions that skeptics often have to Christian faith. Another thing that we've been thinking about is that the vast majority of people who come to City Church come because they're connected to one of you. They come because of a personal invitation. And so we want to encourage you to, as intentionally as you can, continue to build relationships with others, to build and nurture those relationships with just people you come in contact with through your everyday life, serving them in loving ways and praying that God might give you an opportunity maybe to invite them to a service or to share the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. Now, I know the thought of talking about faith makes many of you nervous. Sometimes it makes me nervous as well. But I want you to to know that one of the things we hope to do in the next year or so is to develop a course that will help you learn to share God's story and your own story in a comfortable and sensitive way. Not so you're trying to view people as targets, but so you're viewing that relationship as an opportunity for you to guide someone in toward a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, shifting gears slightly, another thing that we're looking at is that we want to offer interesting community events, opportunities that are safe and comfortable for people to be able to come into this building and experience something that may be less threatening than a Sunday morning service. It might be a concert or a lecture or a play or a family event that might make it easy for you to invite them to something that they would be comfortable with and enjoy. So right now, Devin Pogue is laying the groundwork for a series this next year of musical events that we hope to offer in the coming year. Another important strategy we're looking at is to invest in the lives of children. Let me just tell you, some of the best things that we do are with our kids. One of those is our annual vacation Bible school. This last summer, we had 170 children participating. I think actually 173 or 178. It was a lot of kids. And we've started asking the question about, how can we make that a lot bigger? And then a couple of years ago, our children's pastor, Bethany Lundgren, piloted an Easter egg hunt on the Saturday of Holy Week. And we had more than 100 parents and kids show up for that event. Now, she wasn't able to do it this last spring because she had a baby. Um, We we celebrate babies. But um, we want to continue that special event and in the future, maybe look at doing something around the time of Christmas as another opportunity for families and kids to experience and hear the message of Christmas or the message of Easter, as Bethany shared with our kids when we've done that in the past. This past year, we began a partnership with Trout Lake Camp, where many of our elementary and middle school kids were able to experience a week at one of America's best summer camps. We called it Friends and First Timers, and our goal was to increase the number of our students that were able to attend camp, and we went from 15 kids in 2015 to 40 in 2016, and we hope that just continues to grow. And then in order to serve our middle school and high school kids, continue to serve them well, and to reach other students who are not connected to City Church at Southwest High School and the middle schools here in town, we're entering into a partnership with Young Life. That job description for that position just posted this week, and already we're hearing from people interested in the job. And finally, one day we hope to explore a Christian preschool. 
offering an opportunity for those in this community to experience a faith-based, high-quality educational experience, getting kids ready for kindergarten and beyond. Now, all that's a long list, but remember the objective here. The goal is to point everyone, young and old, to Jesus Christ. So let's shift now to the objective or the value of belong. How will we extend Christian love to others? You know, of all of our values, this is the one that concentrates the most on relationships. Actually, all of them involve relationships, but none more than this one. We're never going to know who walks through the doors on a Sunday morning. Some are skeptical, some are indifferent. Many have thought little about God until there is a change in their lives. Whether it's positive or negative, we want to be here to meet people where they are. So we will look over the next few years to perhaps start support groups that meet here at City Church that meet people at a point of need, at a time when they may be more receptive to hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. And the needs of some of those and some of us are significant. And that's why we hope to develop a team of people that will help us care for those in crisis and to deal with those who have chronic needs. We're not as good at that as we, want, we believe we need to be. But not everyone is in crisis. In fact, some of the most important relationships are those that sustain us in good times as well as the challenging times. So we want to be intentional about building supportive, encouraging, and challenging spiritual friendships. So we want this year to begin creating creative peer-to-peer connections for children, students, and adults. And we're going to start with children in fourth and fifth grade. We want to also implement, probably in about a year, a formal spiritual mentoring and coaching ministry for those of all ages, probably starting with those in middle and high school and then also with adults. Each of these strategies are designed to help us um, and help those experience Christian love and then extend it to others. Let's move on to the third value, the value of become. And that is the idea that in order to experience true transformation, we need to pursue God intentionally. Christians through the centuries have discovered a number of spiritual habits that have proved effective in helping people grow spiritually, and I believe the church can help. But ultimately, I need you to know that each one of you need to take responsibility for your own growth. We can't lead you into that. We can only provide vehicles and tools. You're going to need to take responsibility. But the good news is that if we point you in the right direction, my experience is that people do grow. The two most common catalysts for growth are community and the Bible. Spending time with God and and doing it with others seems to be the irreducible core. When people do those things, studies have shown that they serve more, give more, and share their faith more naturally when they are more connected to God. Change happens as God, through the Bible and the encouragement of others, begins to transform our hearts and change us from the inside out. So we have transformed values and we desire what we, what we once, uh, no longer to do what we once did. We behave in ways that um, are consistent with what God has for us. And we find that our souls are transformed. To help people do this, we want to help create tools that guide you in the daily discipline of spending time with God. So an example of that is what we did during the series we just completed on James, where we provided you with a study guide that took you through some questions around each of the texts that we dealt with each week. We want to do more of those kinds of things. Right now, Amy Roll is developing uh, some kinds of resources that she'll use or we will use with a series we're doing on prayer in January. We want to help you learn to read the Bible. It's not complicated. It's a little intimidating, but we want to make it and demystify it and make it more accessible. And we want to help you to pray. 
And we also hope that you will connect with a growth group or a spiritual friendship. Now, we also, uh, I would say that while we know that knowledge alone does not equal spiritual growth, we also know that many of you would benefit from short-term classes designed to teach you some of the basics of Christian faith. Classes that perhaps give you an overview of the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament, of basic Christian doctrine. Every time we teach catechism to our 8th and ninth grade students, I have a parent ask me, could you like do that for us? So maybe we will do catechism for everyone. And one day we hope that these offerings expand with classes on topics that are important to each one of you. The final value is to serve, again, to do ordinary things with great love and to live generously. In recent months, we've been talking not only about what we might do, but how we might want to do it. And the theme that's emerged, at least with our staff, that's begun to take root, is the theme of relationship. In some ways, it's easy for those of us who have more than the average person to write a check or to show up and just pack a box of food. It doesn't require much. But what we've been learning, what I've been learning, is that giving sometimes can do more harm than good. Leaders in the development world are learning that in order to serve the poor and the disadvantaged in ways that restore hope and dignity, it's sometimes not a handout that helps the most. There are values that are close to the heart of God, and one of those is building relationships um, in all sorts of different ways. Now, we need to do things to help people, but more than just simply giving away fish, we also need to teach others to fish, and in some cases, where there is injustice, we need to fix the pond. We want to do this in wise way, doing what we can not to create dependency. Now, the place for many of you to start is, is what a lot of you already do, and that is serving with one of our ministry partners, organizations like CES and Simpson and Feed My Starving Children. One way that we want to help you do that and help you get connected is beginning to offer a class that we're calling at this point Next Steps, and we hope to offer it for the first time this next spring. It's a class that will be designed primarily for those who are new to City Church or just want to get better connected. And it'll be an opportunity to learn how you can connect with others and how you can find an opportunity to serve that's consistent with your gifts and interests and your life circumstances. And just so you know, we also want you to be free. In fact, we want to encourage you to serve the community around us. We want to see that as an extension of what we do here at City Church. We don't want to occupy all your time. We want you to find ways that you can serve in the neighborhood. And so you can see coaching a soccer team or helping with your school's PTO or joining the board of a neighborhood organization as ministry, as an opportunity to serve our community for the good of all. And then we want to help you professionally, not just seeing your jobs as a place to earn money and a place to go for a few hours a, uh, a day, but equip you to live out the values of integrity and excellence in your jobs and in the process serve the common good of all. Now, there's one other idea I want to share with you. This is um, maybe a bit more ambiguous, but equally important. Something that I've become more and more burdened with in the last year is um, watching our nation divide. Increasingly, we are living in, an, in a world, and particularly in this country, in a world divided by race and class, by economic inequality, by ethnicity, differences about all sorts of things, including human sexuality. We've been praying for ways that we can minister across some of those divides, but we don't know what we should do. We don't know a program or a ministry or something we should engage in, 
But what we do know is that we can begin individually to build relationships across those divides, to think of those who may be different from us, someone who may not look like us, who wasn't born where we were born, someone we maybe disagree with on some substantive issue, but despite those differences, reach across with the goal of building a bridge of relationship, a personal connection, to understand that person's reality, to hear their story, to learn about their hopes and dreams, their hurts and disappointments, And if we do that, imagine what might change to us and with them. Imagine how we can do that, not in a patronizing way, but in a genuine, important relationship way. Now, this value of serving, the idea that living generously um, is the way we ought to live, is why we created years ago what we call City Church Cares. And when you give here at City Church, you have three opportunities or three ways you can give. You can give to our ministry fund, which supports the ongoing uh, staffing and programming of the church. Um, You can give to our facility fund, which helps us make improvements, or you can give to City Church Cares. And in this last year, a little over 5% of our total giving went to City Church Cares. And wouldn't it be wonderful to see that grow, grow to 10% or beyond, maybe one day as much as 25% of our giving? And imagine the thousands, maybe even tens of thousands that we could serve. But also understand that that could be an example, the value of generosity that Jesus taught when he was here on earth. Imagine if we lived in a community that we served such that they were grateful for city church, that city leaders valued our friendship and participated in the community, maybe even asked us to help with things. Imagine neighbors talking behind our backs about how good it is to have city church in the neighborhood. Imagine a city transformed for the better. And even people perhaps who were cynical and skeptical, even hostile toward Christian faith now seeking God because they've seen what we do. And we're not going to be able to meet every need, fix every problem, correct every injustice, but we can try. We can try one person at a time, one situation at a time. We can serve, we can speak out, and we can also pray. Now, there's a lot more on the list that we've been thinking about. Um, In some ways, it's an ambitious list. We're not planning on doing it all at once. The staff will say thank you when I say that. Um, But season by season and year by year over the next few years, we want to chip away at it and seek to fulfill the dreams that we believe God has for us. And I want to mention one other thing that's on our list just because I think it will be helpful for you to think about the next few years, and that is a possible facility expansion. I don't know that we fully anticipated this when we moved into this building. We thought we had lots and lots of space, um, but we're already filling up this great facility. On Sundays, I believe now, every room is used this year. Not last year, we had an empty room. We don't have an empty room this year. And that's great, but we anticipate that we will need more space. And more importantly, at least right now, is we need to improve building accessibility. If you're disabled, the only way that you can get to the lower level in this building is to go downstairs. There's no other way to do that. At some point, we will need an elevator and ideally an on-grade entry, perhaps from the back of the building, that will allow people easily to access and gain, to gain access to the building. And there's more. In the office, we felt really like we had lots and lots of space when we moved in three and a half years ago, and now we're sharing eight people in six office spaces. And then in time, we know that we'll need additional ministry space. In the coming year or so, Kara Koffler is going to lead a team that will do a facilities needs assessment. And we can anticipate maybe in three or four years that we will be in a building program. Um, And to do that and to prepare for that, we're doing something I want to announce tonight. And that is that we're opening a bank account um, to begin 
compiling resources to begin building resources for that project. So today, we're opening what we're going to call the Forecast Facility Fund. So if you want to begin giving to that, um, you can just write on your check, Forecast, or if you want to de designate that on the front of the offering envelope, we'll put whatever you want to give toward that. And I would imagine the funds will build slowly, but any amount that we're able to gain into that will help us jumpstart that program when we get ready to do that. Well, you remember the friend I mentioned at the beginning, the one who said, what's next? What she was asking is, what was the new dream that I had or we had for City Church? And I've been excited for weeks to be able to share all of what we've shared here tonight. I can't wait to hear or to see what God does among us. But while I've tried to give you a glimpse of what I believe God is asking us to do, I'm also aware that we cannot anticipate everything that God might do or ask of us. God's ways are sometimes mysterious, and sometimes he has plans for us that we cannot imagine on our own. A few weeks ago, we were studying the book of James, and in chapter 4, uh, James talked about making plans, and at the, in that section, he said, really, plans are wise, plans are good to do. And then he said, don't fail to include God in your plans. He says, of any plan, you're to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will do this or that. And in that sermon, I mentioned that years ago, I kept coming across a curious set of initials in old books, the initials D period, V period. And the first few times I saw them, I ignored them, and then eventually my curiosity got me, and so I looked it up and found out that D period, V period stands for the Latin phrase, Deo Valente, God willing. And so... Um, I shared with you at that time that that's the way we ought to make plans. And I am excited about our plans, but I do hope that we approach this with that same spirit, God willing, may these things come true. I believe that God has led us and guided us through this process, and I anticipate he will continue to guide us and show us what he has for us. I don't think we're going to anticipate all the twists and turns that will be ahead, but I never imagined we'd be here and be in this place that we are right now as well. As we go from here, I hope that you will join me in praying for what we're about to undertake. And when you pray, add DV at the end of that, God willing, asking him to lead and guide us along the way. In the days and weeks ahead, I'd ask you to just begin to consider what's your part in all of this. And I actually intended to have a little card so you could indicate how you want to get involved and that kind of got lost this week and all the other things going on. But I want you to begin to think and pray. We're going to give you a little booklet that describes this, uh, this vision um, when you leave tonight and may give you an opportunity to pray about each one of these values, and maybe you'll begin to, to have a, a hunch about where you might ought to get involved. Well, City Church began in 2005 with a vision of seeking the peace and welfare of the city, and we knew it would take more than a lifetime to accomplish that. Um, but we got started, and now nearly 12 years later, we have grown numerically and spiritually, and we have seen people come to faith, reconnect with faith, grow in faith, um, and we now worship in a facility that God, and I say this without any hyperbole, miraculously provided, and we've accomplished much that we set out to do. You'll know that these words, seek the peace and welfare of the city, come from the prophet Jeremiah, who spoke to a beleaguered group of people who were living far away from Jerusalem, who'd been told that it was going to take them 70 years to get back where they were going. He was trying to give them a hope that they would have to be able to hold on for 70 more years. He told them to wait patiently until God brought them back to the promised land. When they returned 70 years after Jeremiah was gone, 
But there was another prophet with a new vision for a new generation. His name was Zechariah. And he described in his prophecy a city filled with young and old, a place of prosperity and harmony, a place of righteousness and justice. And he said from all over the world, he dreamed that many would come to Jerusalem seeking God. And here's what he said. In those days, 10 people from all languages and nations will take firm hold of one Jew by the hem of his robe and say, let us go with you because we have heard that God is with you. Our desire is to be a place where many in this community come to us because they have heard that God is with us.